Nice to meet you, Sturle. We're sitting live at uh, the Bitmint offices yeah. in um, Flore. Yeah. Do I pronounce it correctly? Yeah, that's correct. It's the westernmost city in Norway. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I happen to be one and a half hours away from here at uh, my childhood friend's place. And his wife's sister happened to... Uh, uh, be the founder of Peak, where you guys oh. have had your offices before. Cool. So he knew your CTO. Yeah. And uh, at my friend's 40th birthday party two days ago, he said to me, oh, I know uh, of a Bitcoiner that should be fairly famous. Uh, he lives close by, uh, Sturle. And I thought, I recognize that name. Then I, I Googled and I realized it's the same person that the Norwegian Bitcoin community uh, was talking about uh, when we did a space on Sunday last week. So I thought, wow, okay, I really want to meet this person if if possible. It sounds like a very interesting person. I asked Paul if if he could introduce. And uh, the day before I'm leaving Norway, I managed to meet you. Thanks for taking the time. No problem. So Global Bitcoin Fest, we are all about meeting Bitcoin communities across the world once a week. We interview one community. And uh, last week we did Norway. And as an exception, this week uh, we're doing a special with uh, one person considered to be maybe the first or one of the first uh, original Bitcoiners in Norway. Sturle, I'm very curious to learn about you. One thing that every Bitcoiner has in common is some sort of uh, genesis story, how they became a Bitcoiner, how it all started. Would you uh, mind sharing that? Uh, yes, I can start with the beginning back in uh, 2010. It was um, early autumn or late summer, probably August, when I um, saw posting on uh, Slash.org, just an old News for Nerds uh, site. About Bitcoin, which is a peer-to-peer electronic currency. And uh, I thought this was very interesting because um, I'm, I've always been interested in, in what is money? What, how can money work? You know, because money is just paper things or, or cheap metal objects, which uh, for some reason has a much higher value than, uh, than what's uh, the, the value of the item itself um, because think people think it's worth something you know it's uh, somewhat scarce and um, and people other people think that this is worth something this is something I want so they will are willing to exchange it for goods or services um, so uh, so I was looking at Bitcoin and I thought that uh, well this is scarce in the same way much in the same way and and uh, this should work as money. Uh, and of course, it's very easy to, to transfer to someone else. It uh, costs, uh, there's, or at that time, it was more or less free uh, to transfer it. Um, 
and uh and it's it knows no borders there is no no uh censorship or anything <clears throat> so um i uh i played around with uh, bitcoin for a while and then uh later that the same autumn um uh wikileaks published the famous video of uh, an uh, american helicopter crew uh, shooting uh uh, a Reuters journalist, uh, photographer in uh, Iraq, and uh, for that, um, uh, shortly after that, uh, PayPal, Visa, Mastercard, several banks started uh, just uh, stopped all uh, donations to WikiLeaks, just to to make it impossible for them to uh, to uh, continue their work. Um, and that's not okay because, um, uh, first of all, there was no n no legal uh, reasoning behind this. There was no law, no no judge, no uh, no uh, there, no one had ordered them to stop, uh, at least not publicly. So uh, um, there was no uh, they, they didn't have any legal basis for stopping the donations. Um, and that's not okay because I don't think the the money should be uh, the denial of uh, access to money services should uh, be a, a a legal way to censor the free press. Uh, so I wondered how how can we solve this, and I instantly saw that uh, well, Bitcoin can solve this because uh, no one can stop uh, stop uh, WikiLeaks from receiving Bitcoin donations. And I thought, oh, okay, so Bitcoin is important. Um, how can I help uh, make Bitcoin succeed? Uh, and then I just thought, thought that, okay, I can start exchanging Bitcoin for Norwegian Krona, just being a market maker, making sure that as long as you have Norwegian Krona, you can buy Bitcoin. And if you have Bitcoin, you can sell them and get Norwegian Krona back. That's, uh, uh, yeah, to make sure Bitcoin is, is liquid, and can be exchanged uh, to to and from the witching crown in uh, maximum a day. Um, uh, so uh, so I just started that just very small in the beginning. I was hanging around in um, an IRC channel uh, calling <laughs> called the Bitcoin OTC, where uh, all the peer to peer uh, trading was uh, yeah going around uh, about uh, then. Um, the Norwegian bit. Bitcoin peer-to-peer -peer or global? Global. Okay. Yeah, it was global, but it, it, there was a. It was a very small community back then in 2010. Um, so, yeah, and 2011 uh, when I uh, and 12, I think. Did Did you know how many people were in that IRC chat? Do you remember the number? Oh, uh, it varied a lot, but uh, I think I traded with more than 700 people on okay. IRC alone. Yeah. Yeah, on on that via that channel, and that was yeah. the main way to trade Bitcoin yeah. back then. That, that was the main way. I at least I traded Bitcoin. Yeah. It, you know, to to buy Bitcoin on uh, on an exchange was very hard. Um, you had um, Mt. Gox um, in 2011, uh, where you had to. Uh, well, for in the beginning they had PayPal, which lasted very short because of course uh, PayPal is <laughs> they, they, they are getting scammed so they, uh, they, that didn't work uh, 
then they had the Liberty Reserve, which was a sh really pain to get. Uh, you had to transfer money abroad to some Liberty uh, Reserve exchange, and then you get Liberty Reserve dollars. So you can transfer that to Mount Gox, and it was really hard. Uh, and then they, yeah, they, there was various uh, solutions. It got, it became better. You know, you can uh, it, after a while you can uh, transfer euros via SEPA transfer, which wasn't that bad, but still uh, it takes uh, some time and. Uh, effort at least to uh, to get the money to Malkos. So uh, I think I was the preferred way to uh, to exchange still because it costs a lot of money also, uh, you know, the fees and stuff, especially if you're just buying a small amount. Many of my, uh, many people bought for like 500 kroner, mm. even less. Mm. Um, Which was still a significant amount of Bitcoins back then. Yes, though. it was. So some of the people who bought from me back then are selling their bitcoins now for, uh, or selling a, a very small part of it just to buy a house or a car or something. <laughs> so I'm, I made a lot of people very rich. <laughs> That's. Uh, Did you charge uh, a fee? Was it high or? Uh, it was a, a very low fee. I think uh, my spread was. Um, um, in the beginning, it, it was 5%, which is quite reasonable, really, because the spread in the markets was was high as well. And um, as I told you, the, the Bitcoins were really hard to get if you didn't uh, go via peer-to-peer uh, -peer exchange or, or something. And um, uh, so... Uh, and. Uh, yeah. So, but after a while, I I um, gradually made my spread lower. So it was two and a half percent for a long time, and now it's uh, about two percent. Mm. So, and and considering the work, no, because it's I mean, yeah. I, I you had to spend time <clears throat> uh, I, to I, help people. Yeah. It probably wasn't profitable. Yeah. I mean, no, it wasn't your time. No, 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 no. It wasn't profitable. It, it, no, it's it has never been really profitable. The only profitable thing I do is uh, is uh, bot trading, you know, trading yeah. bots. Yeah. Which uh, that's uh, that's an easy way to uh, to make money if you know what you're doing. Um, but uh, or, or at least it was <laughs> not that easy anymore because there are so many doing it. But um, uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's the way I made money as well because in in 2012. I found a more or less foolproof way to make money via Mt. Gox uh, by market making different currencies. Um, and uh, I gave that bot bitcoins for $20 approximately. It was a very low amount of bitcoins back then. In, in February 2012, I brought that bot in an hour or so. Uh, I think I, I spent a maximum two hours on it um, writing that bot. And uh, in um, you wrote it yourself. I wrote it myself. Okay. Yes. Uh, in uh, uh, 2014, when uh, Mt. Gox went uh, belly up, it had bitcoins for about uh, I think two million. Norwegian crowns. What? <laughs> <laughs> From twenty dollars? Yeah. Or twenty kroner? Yeah. To uh, to uh, yeah yeah. 
to two millions, uh, two million kroner, which yeah, would so be two hundred to 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 uh, two million. Okay, so, so twenty dollars so, to two hundred thousand yeah. dollars. So when that bot <laughs> was making more money, much more money every month than I got from uh, from working. Uh, at my usually in my usual day job, uh, I decided to quit my day job and uh, start uh, exchanging Bitcoin full time. Mm. So I to mainly, I guess, then as a community contribution because exchanging yeah. Bitcoin wasn't profitable. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I talked to my bank, um, and they thought this was a very good idea. So they, um, I got a bank account to start. Um, uh, limited company. Wait, you know. they thought it was a good idea. Yeah, what? when I talked to them, they said so. So that was uh, in the end of uh, 2013. Uh, I talked to my bank uh, before Christmas, sometime before Christmas. And uh, okay, uh, they were positive. So I quit my day job um, and I started to prepare starting my company. And then uh, some days later, the bank uh, came back to me and they called me and asked if I could come to the bank to talk to them to have for a meeting. And they came to the bank and I was optimistic as always. And then they said that, uh, no, uh, I couldn't have a bank account. It was going to be closed um, because um, the AML officer had said no. And they needed to tell me this in person because, as they later know, uh, later learned, uh, this was not a legal way. Uh, they they couldn't legally uh, deny me a bank account, uh, so they didn't want any paper trails or uh, or uh, any. Uh, <coughs> wow. Yeah. Interesting. So they basically did an ambush meeting, and at yeah. this point. Yeah. You had quit your job already. Yeah. You had started the company. I was beginning to start the company. I had to uh, to find the, to deposit the money, and uh, and uh, you know the formalities. Mm. You know, write some documents and uh, and you know formally start it. I not, never started a company before, so I had to to just figure out how to do this uh, in the best way. And then, yeah. Uh, and uh, in the meantime, uh, the bank ambushed me. <laughs> yes. How was that meeting? I'm just curious. Uh, I mean, how was the vibe, the atmosphere? You come into the room. Yeah. How does the room look like? What's happening? It was a really small room, and there was just one person from the bank who had uh, got this uh, task to tell me that uh, I couldn't have the bank account. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I was uh, surprised, but I thought, uh, I mean, there are more than 100, 100 banks in this country. I'm probably just going to get the bank account somewhere else. So uh, I didn't apply to get my job back. I just uh, <laughs> just thought that uh, I would apply at uh, other banks and uh, get the bank account. But uh, that turned out to be impossible. Um, just when I mentioned Bitcoin, they said no. I couldn't have a bank account. So not the so, same initial positive response. No. Now you were getting stonewalled. This, yes, from all banks. Mm. Uh, and there was obviously some central policy. Some The banks had talked together and uh, decided that, no, we don't, uh, we don't want Bitcoin. Uh, I know. Uh, and it's 
it's like going to the to the mail uh, um, i mean the mail services and uh, ask can i get some help uh, starting uh, an electronic mail uh, company which will put you out of business i don't know it's uh, it's a kind mm -hmm. of um i guess they saw that uh, bitcoin might be uh, a problem for them because they uh, it will you know destroy their monopoly and money mm. so um yeah uh, so i had to um, but the, the bank my bank said that uh, i could still exchange bitcoin privately that was okay so I continue, uh, continued uh, just making those peer-to-peer uh, -peer exchanges. Via your private things. bank account? Via my private bank account. Interesting. And I even got more private bank accounts in, in uh, different banks because uh, there was a limitation on how much I could transfer every month uh, out of my account. Um, so, and uh, the, my... Um, Turn turnover was uh, soon very much higher than that, so I had to get other banks as well. So I was doing this for a while, try, still trying to get the bank account, but it was uh, hopeless. I could probably get a uh, bank account in uh, in another country, but uh, that was uh, kind of uh, uh, my purpose was to exchange for Norwegian krona, and. Uh, when you start involving uh, uh, international banks, it will cost a lot of fees, and you, yeah, it, uh, it's much harder to transfer money abroad than to just transfer them be between Norwegian accounts. So, yeah, and it doesn't feel very Norwegian. No, and, uh, it doesn't. People trading may feel that oh, this is something suspicious. I have yeah. to transfer abroad. Yeah. So, being true to the Norwegian feel, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, and I just briefly tell you why the the spread, uh, a spread of um, 2% or 2.5% wasn't uh, making me a profit. Because when I was selling my coins, let's say I had, yeah, I had, uh, I'm not tell, going to tell me how much, I uh, tell you how much coins uh, <laughs> I had, but if I have one Bitcoin and I sell it, uh, for a one percent mark, two uh, percent market, and then uh, I'm going to to buy it back. You know, I get the money from the customer. Uh, I send him my Bitcoin, and then there is a race to get my money to an exchange to buy back the same amount of Bitcoin before the price raises too much. And at the speed the the price has raised and the slowness of the banks that hasn't been possible mm. so that's why the amount of bitcoin i owned to uh, to exchange that's that steadily went down uh, because in the beginning the most people just uh, they wanted to buy bitcoin and very few sold bitcoins oh, so okay, i had yeah. this race getting my money abroad and then buy more bitcoins and then Oh, so yeah. you were buying in uh, exchanges abroad yeah. in um, Mount Gox, for example. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, but back to uh, back to 2013, 2014. Um, 2014 was uh, then uh, Mount Gox went uh, belly up, and uh, my income maker, the bot, uh, it was not just lost, but 
most of the coins it had uh, also. Oh, well, so Matt, so Mount Cox ate up your yes. Okay, my main source of income and the money I saved to start the company. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> because uh, and I had to keep the money there because uh, this bot is made money because it had bitcoins and and mm. money there, mm. so it could exchange back and forth. It, you know, without it, when it, it didn't have any. Uh, if it didn't have, if I had withdrawn all the money, it wouldn't have made any any uh, profit. So, so wait, Mancox, uh, this is 2013 or 2014. 2014. Okay. Yeah. So um, and Mancox was a, a Japanese exchange. Yeah. 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 We actually we actually had a global Bitcoin Fest uh, uh, interview with the Japanese community. Yeah. And they were talking about yeah. some of the experiences yeah. from when from then. Um, just a, a side question: uh, Are you part of the uh, the court case uh, uh, against no. Mount Cox? No. no, so you're not going to get any bitcoins back. Yes, uh, I mean I'm uh, I'm part of the uh, you know I had um, what do you call it um, a claim exactly uh, or two claims okay. at uh, Mark Cox yeah. uh, because I the, the bot had uh, had a separate account mm. so I had I had uh, two claims around uh, to uh, to Mark Cox so I I will get some money back uh, eventually mm. yeah I've heard that it's uh, it's something like 30 or 40% of the original amount of bitcoins yeah. but uh, I mean it's a long time. Uh, I think it's and, even less than. Uh, I think okay. it's like fifteen percent. Okay, but uh, okay, yeah, it's still a good, uh, good return. I mean, yeah, uh, it's it yeah. is. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe artificially it helped you hodl. Um, yeah, it uh, it did because, uh, of course, the amount of Bitcoin I I'm holding is steadily declining due to. Uh, I'm not really making a profit on this. Uh, this you know, peer, peer, uh, or uh, changing uh, yeah. uh, Bitcoin. Anyways, I interrupted you. You yeah. said that you lost uh, yeah. all your Bitcoins in the Mount Cox. The Not all of them, but right. uh, uh, a large amount. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And please continue. Yeah. Uh, and that uh, that's another problem on top of not getting a bank account. So, <laughs> and, and uh, due to not getting a bank account from my company, I couldn't just uh, I I couldn't hire people either because I can't uh, you know paying some of these wages out of my private bank bank account and, and stuff. That's no, <laughs> that's not gonna work. If I if I know that my bank can just throw me out anytime, it's uh, it's not gonna work. So I, I had to do this alone, um, unless there was someone else coming. Just I want to help you for free, and that's uh, of course that doesn't happen. So um, yeah. So it was some uh, tough years, um, and uh, but of course, the, even if I I was steadily getting lower on, on the amount of Bitcoin I own, uh, the price kept going up. Mm. So when another bank threw me out in 2017, your bank, your private account this yeah. time, yes, 2017, yeah, yeah, okay. and they refused to uh, to give me a a, a company account. Mm. I tried it. That I decided that uh, okay, I'll try it. Try this in the courts. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, uh, due to my uh, uh, habit of uh, saving money, because uh, <laughs> of course you don't 
when you uh, after these experiences, I want to make sure that I don't spend too much on this. I just hired a cheap lawyer from uh, this town and uh, mm. thought that uh, well, this it would be it would be an easy win against the uh, bank and their horde of lawyers, and uh, they can afford an army of lawyers. Mm. Uh, of course, it was. Uh, so I lost uh, the first case and uh, the lowest. Uh, the lowest uh, court. Yeah, the first. Yeah, first the first level. level yeah. yeah. Uh, then I changed my lawyer mm. uh, to another one. Uh, unfortunately, it takes some time to get uh, to the next uh, stage in the court system, especially when the lawyers of the opponent try to drag the time, mm. you know, spend mm. as much time as possible on every step. Mm. Just uh, make sure that uh, this, yeah, the time times goes. Time goes. Uh, so in the end, we decided to um, try another bank in the lowest uh, lowest court. Oh, so you so sued we, another bank? Yes. Yes, and but we, the first bank that you lost the case against yeah. first, can you name them or? Yeah, Nordea. No, that was Nordea. Yeah. yeah, that's I think the largest. Bank in the Nordics. Yes. Yes. The mm. DMB is the second largest. Nordea yeah. is the largest. No. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you so, fought against the largest bank yeah, in the Nordics not, with a local not lawyer. A, not a wise choice. <laughs> not a wise choice. Okay. But we yeah. uh, we tried um, using the arguments that we would uh, use at the next uh, level mm. uh, with my new uh, new lawyer. Uh, and this against time, the, the, a new bank. Yeah. And this time. Uh, it was a more experienced lawyer uh, that, against, yeah. against a much uh, less experienced bank. Yeah, and yeah. you were financing yeah. this yourself. Yeah, yes, uh, with some donations, mm. uh, yeah, not not too much. But, uh, yeah, and then um, uh, and then uh, the second bank, they gave up before the court case. They didn't even go to court. Because uh, they saw that uh, okay, we we can't win this. So I got uh, the bank account uh, at the, the local bank, which uh, was uh, a mega win. And at the same time, it was uh, I I just been exhausted by all this, uh, you know, the all the time time mm -hmm. I'd spent uh, all these years not making any money and not getting any further. So I was and just, not having a job. Not having a job, <laughs> yeah. So and this is 2018. You won, or you got a bank account? Finally, 2019. I oh my got god! The... So you, it took you nine years. Yeah. Did you try to get an account 2010 or 11? When was the first time you tried to get an account? Uh, no, that was in uh, 2013. That T was 2013. First, okay. Before that, it was uh, the. the uh, my turnover was so so low. I could yeah. just use my. I just use a private bank account, and it was not a, a business. You yeah. know, it was just something I did as a hobby next to, yeah, besides work. So it took six years for you yeah. to finally get an account yeah. for your business, so you yeah. could finally have a business. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you were exhausted. It, just a question on the private part uh, during all this time. Yeah. Um, did you? Did you? Uh, maybe you don't want to talk about it. It's fine. But uh, 
uh, your private life i mean yeah. did you have uh, you know family did you yeah. have yes yeah okay so what did your uh, partner say <laughs> <laughs> throughout all this you know stop she... this Thule. <laughs> you're yes. ruining us <laughs> no, uh, I mean she has. Um, I, I, you know, I, I haven't had any money problems because the price of Bitcoin has increased all this time. Mm. I, I still had money because not because I made money, but uh, uh, as I see it, mm. I didn't make any money because mm. uh, the amount of Bitcoins I had, I had to sell gradually the, the Bitcoins I had because uh, um, because I wasn't really making any money from the exchange except for that uh, bot uh, Mt. Gox bot mm. which made a lot of money but yeah uh, I didn't get uh, get a lot of those money out um, but uh, since the, the price of Bitcoin has steadily increased I, I you know I got more and more money so I, I haven't had any money problems but uh, it has been very time consuming um, Energy consuming. I mean, yeah. the, just the time the, and just, energy. Just grinding through l- yeah. legal system and lawyers yeah. is yeah. just not very inspiring. No, it isn't. It's not what I wanted to make uh, uh, to to spend my time on. What I wanted to make uh, to spend my time on was uh, making uh, Bitcoin liquid and make it easy to, you know, use Bitcoins to per- purchase goods with Bitcoins. You know, spend them at. Uh, you know, web uh, shops and even in uh, physical shops, you know, go and buy a coffee with Bitcoin. Mm. Um, but uh, that was, uh, that's also something I, I can't do. I can't make any any deals with uh, a local shop when I don't even have a company. Mm. So <laughs> kind of, uh, yeah. So did you during this time uh, think of just, why do I do this? Yeah. I should just give up. Yeah, uh, I did that a lot of time, uh, many times. But then I also said that if I, if I have to give this up, who will who will try? I mean, that, that will. I don't want the banks to win. Mm. Uh, that what they did wasn't legal. Mm. So so I didn't want them to win. It's that was like the banks did to the same thing the banks did to uh, to uh, WikiLeaks. Um. So I uh, I didn't want them to win, and that's I'm quite I can be quite stubborn <laughs> when it comes to uh, getting right. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, when uh, I know that I'm right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so I decided to no I I didn't I couldn't give this up because I would then give it up on behalf of everyone. Uh, it would be very hard for everyone else to get in this as well if I gave it up. So I just continued. And made sure the the banks wouldn't get uh, peace with this. Mm. So, and uh, of course that helped a lot of other businesses as well, because um, the banks saw that they couldn't uh, uh, they couldn't uh, stop us anymore. Mm. So, uh, so and not... and this is why the honorary mention yeah. in our Twitter space last Sunday, where yeah. everybody. They, I mean, they spoke very fondly of you and yeah. the uh, the effort that you have gone through, uh, basically paving way in Norway. Yeah. And uh, one thing that they said was that Norway is a more Bitcoin maximalist 
country than, for example, Sweden, yeah. maybe in part due to uh, your early efforts to 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 make it possible. Yeah. Um, if I don't misrepresent what what I heard, but yeah. uh, I think that was part of or the spirit of, of some 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 of what they said. Um, so during that during that time period, I also heard from your uh, your CTO here at Bitmint yeah, yeah. Uh, before we met. He yeah. he um, uh, he mentioned a pair of socks. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm selling those for a half price. Uh, I, you know, I think that um, I, I was uh, that was kind of a way to show my wife that uh, you know, bitcoins is, is that's a good thing. You can you can you know spend them on things. So uh, I, uh, it was one of the first uh, uh, companies accepting Bitcoin for for a product that was uh, some uh, sock producer back in uh, or al alpaca farm in uh, in the United States uh, where you could buy um, alpaca socks for uh, for Bitcoin. So uh, I bought her a pair of socks uh, with Bitcoin, forty point fifty three Bitcoins, I think. <laughs> Uh, that included uh, uh, postage to Norway, um, and I got this pair of socks. So uh, I'm selling those for half price. So if you want to, uh, even less than half price, so only 20 uh, bitcoins for those uh, socks. Yeah. Uh, yes, lightly used. That's, it's a great deal. That's we, a great deal. Yeah. Yeah. We, will, uh, <laughs> we will for sure market this yeah. and make sure yeah. that uh, anybody interested can buy those socks. Yeah. 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 Uh, so you still have them? Uh, are they them. in a frame, or you still, or you use them, or they, they are not currently used? But uh, I'll, uh, I plan to frame them. Yeah. With uh, transaction ID and everything, so you see them. They are genuine. That's the socks I bought for forty point point fifty three bitcoins in. Uh, I'm thinking early today's price. Right? This is like one and a half million dollars, something like yeah, that. No? something like that. Yeah, at the, the current crash price here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Um, any other uh, items that you that you bought to to show the usability? Uh, not really, but I bought some items. You know, I bought. Uh, uh, ebook reader, for example, from uh, that was a Barnes and Noble ebook reader, which was the most open at the time because uh, the um, uh, uh, you know the Kindle was an alternative, but that was more closed. Um, so I got this um, uh, an ebook reader, for example, that cost me a few hundred, I think. Bitcoins. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you still have it, but uh, I that was I uh, I talked to someone on this Bitcoin OTC uh, channel, yeah. uh, and I, um, I I said that I wanted this uh, ebook reader, but it was only for sale in the United States because it was something I think Barnes and Noble said for a small loss because they could they use that platform to sell books. So, you know, you could buy books from Barnes and Noble through this, uh, and uh, they wouldn't wouldn't sell it abroad where there was no uh, Barnes and Noble shops because, I mean, that would uh, surely just be used to uh, to view other books and not make any purchases through mm, them. Mm. Uh, so I had to get someone in the United States to buy them, buy it for me. So uh, 
I found someone on the Bitcoin OTC channel. Um, I know his name, but I'm not going to to say it. Uh, who bought uh, this for me and uh, sent it to me in Norway, and uh, he got bitcoins for it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so that that was one way to make uh, to to spend my bitcoins. Yeah. So so one thing that I I think of is uh, people tend to think. Oh, I'm so late to Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, the price already went up, and this is the recurring story. I think throughout Bitcoin history, yeah. everybody that comes to Bitcoin, even the people that came in 2010, 11, 12, felt they were late. Yeah. I felt I was late in yeah. 2013. Yeah. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I I didn't buy Bitcoin. I bought Feathercoin and some and Litecoin, <laughs> and um. And so people have this idea that if they would only have been early, then they would be mega rich today. Yeah. But the stories that the early Bitcoiners have uh, tell a different story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> lost your Bitcoins in Mount Cox. Yeah. You bought socks. You yeah. bought an e-reader. Yeah. And uh, you had to finance your living yeah. because you didn't have. And and at the same time, without people like yourself. Yeah. That was were actually dedicating the time and spending your bitcoins yeah. to to be able to dedicate the time. Yeah. Bitcoin wouldn't be where it is today. I no, mean, of course, it, not, it, because, it's been completely dependent yeah. on you guys. Yeah, because if it had been impossible to, first very difficult to buy bitcoins and then very difficult to sell them and get their money back. It would be. Uh, it, I mean. Uh, Bitcoin wouldn't have been interesting for most people. I, most people would have thought that this was just some obscure thing which was very hard to get by. And and if you got by, then you wouldn't you wouldn't be sure that you could uh, could sell them again. So just some some strange uh, computer uh, magic computer money which didn't work it work as money. Uh, that wouldn't be. Uh, I mean. That would be useless. Yeah. You know the a currency. You know you need a convertible currency for it to be uh, be useful. You can't uh, you can't use if you get hold of some uh, some Cuban peso or something. You can't. What am I going to do with a Cuban peso? It maybe it will have some affectional value or something, but I cannot uh, exchange it anywhere. So it's yeah. so. <clears throat> Uh, is there a, a club of old timers, people that uh, <laughs> were in the trenches back in the day? No, no, no. It was yeah. a lonely journey. And, yeah. Uh, do you? Um, I, I couldn't just bring someone in on that journey because it was so um, insecure. Mm. You know, I, I, I didn't know where would it end. It could be. Uh, uh, I didn't know that it would be a, a positive ending at all, and uh, I knew that uh, there wouldn't be any money in it for them. So, I mean, why? How could I just drag someone else into it? And yeah. What should I promise them? You know, I can promise you this would be would be a lot of hard work and no profit, and uh, we may lose. <laughs> so, um. You mentioned that you actually never dabbled in shitcoins. 
No, no other coins. No. How come? Um, in the beginning, I just didn't have the capacity to uh, to trade all the shit coins that people wanted to uh, to buy or sell. Um, and I thought that uh, it was very, the interest was very short lived. You know, in in a short period, I would have ten people asking if they could buy uh, buy Litecoin. And then I wouldn't hear from anyone in a year about Litecoin. So I thought that, okay, if I start doing all those shitcoin things, I will just sit there and burn in with bags full of shitcoins, which people lost interest in. Uh, And when I start to exchange some coin, I kind of make a commitment to, to keep doing that for a while because... So, uh, but uh, on the other hand, if people can get Bitcoin, they can get all the shit coins they want from other exchanges. So uh, I just kept selling Bitcoins and so that said uh, to people that if you want to buy some strange coins that you want, you you have to go there and or there or there uh, to, uh, to just exchange them into that coin. That's easy. So it was mainly a practical consideration yeah. from your perspective. Yeah. Um, was it? there anything about that the coins that you didn't believe in the coins uh, or maybe you didn't have time to research uh, a little bit of both um more i many of them was just cheap copies of bitcoin so and I, there was no really no i couldn't see any purpose behind them other than being a cheap copy of bitcoin um and then there was all these uh, ICO coins, which was just, I mean, I didn't, uh, how could you value nothing to just those crazy amounts? That's, that's just silly. I mean, I, I could see why people bought them because they went up through the roof, but but uh, I, I was not going to sit and watch for those those coins. That's, I, that's, People would have to do that on their own. Uh, on their own, I uh, take all the responsibility on their own. I wouldn't watch for any of them. Um, yeah, and uh, you have those um, Ethereum and stuff. Um, no, I, I I was interested in Bitcoin because it works as money. Um, and a medium of exchange, you can buy things with them. You can, uh, and uh, I feel that uh, Ethereum, first of it, uh, of all, it has another purpose, and second, it it isn't a distributed, open, free coin like like Bitcoin is, because it's it's so centrally controlled. They have this hard forks twice a year, and sometimes when they didn't plan to, because they want to cancel a contract or something. Is that? I mean, seriously, that's that's not uh, well, that's not what I mean for. Uh, so, so <coughs> I'm thinking, basically, the way you're describing how you started your journey yeah. in Bitcoin, it was already from start purpose driven. It yeah. wasn't just the technology that you're interested in. You quickly saw a a real problem that yeah. you have been trying to contribute to solve. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I do see um, 
so there's a lot of old timers that have gone from being Bitcoiners, being educators in Bitcoin to everything else uh, running around and yeah, uh, many different coins. Um, so maybe what they were interested in was technology, tech, uh, new curious things. And after a while, maybe they got bored with Bitcoin only and wanted yeah. to explore other things. Um, so I, th I think that's quite an interesting distinction that maybe um, the the purpose uh, keeps one grounded in yeah. Bitcoin. I can feel that as well for myself that I I was a tech guy before. Yeah. I had a tech company, and mm. so I vibed with the tech ideas of the new coins. Oh, this yeah. new coin can do this. This other new coin can do that, and so on. And it wasn't until I myself had a real monetary need yeah. for a safe sound money where i could put away some savings yeah. without worrying about inflation or seizure or other things yeah. where i really started taking bitcoin seriously that's when i became a bitcoiner and i've looked for a purpose for many years uh, something that really feels truly meaningful to do yeah. and i finally feel there's something i can spend many years on and the journey is not going to be done. And um, yeah, I'm pretty much I'm also, though much lower quantities than you, yeah, I'm yeah. also spending my Bitcoin yeah. to contribute. Yeah. Uh, that, that's mainly, important yeah. to just make sure there is an economy around it. Just, just, just buying Bitcoins just to hold them. That's, uh, I mean... It, it it can make sense for uh, for some people, but uh, I think that you know you need to be able to use the bitcoins to spend them to to use them in a real economy for them to to grow in value uh, and and reach new people because you know, if they're just reaching some cult which just want to buy them and hold as many as possible possible of them that's uh, the 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 cult cult will then diminish. Uh, if you can't show people that okay, this is useful. This is useful as money. So and you actually them. disagree with the hodling extremists? <laughs> yes, I, 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 or, or I mean, people can do whatever they want with their Bitcoin. So I'm, I'm not. I just not. Uh, I'm not going to criticize them and say that you you shouldn't do that. I just say that if uh, we want Bitcoin to grow in value, we can't just buy them and hold them and keep them to ourselves because uh, then the, the amount of people interested in this will just go down and you won't get uh, you won't get the economy which is needed to to get more people into this and make and show that this is actually useful because just holding something that's that's not very useful mm. um, yeah. so in 2021 yeah we had a major event in Bitcoin history where yeah. El Salvador passed Bitcoin into legal tender. Yeah. And how did you feel when this happened? Uh, I mean, it make, made me look back to 2010. And if someone had told me then 
that uh, you know in just 11 years the first country will start uh, adopting bitcoin as their their currency i would just laughed it away i mean that's uh, no 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 you're not now now you're silly i, I think bitcoin is going to grow and uh, gain usefulness and and perhaps getting more used in countries with a uh, poorly working uh, economy. But, but uh, I, I know officially the currency, that's not going to happen because people want control of their, I mean, countries want control of their currency. So that's, uh, I was just reflecting on how incredibly quickly this has grown. Uh, I, if I had been able to see that in, in 2010, I, I would have got as, as many Bitcoins that I could get hold of and just kept them. But uh, yeah. I mean, if I had did that, uh, if I did that, Bitcoin wouldn't have grown like mm. that. So. so it was a big day yeah. for you. Yeah. And have you had any interaction with El Salvador? Yeah, have you... I've been there. Okay. Yeah, uh, I went there to, for um, a lightning conference, um, and uh, I, I tried to leave as much as I could of, of uh, just bitcoins. Um, but uh, and that's uh, that worked in uh, in San Salvador and uh, and some other places. But uh, when I got, uh, I traveled a bit in the country uh, when I was there, uh, and uh, when I got to places where. I mean, there was no internet even, so uh, uh, so Bitcoin just didn't work. Uh, you know, you had to have cash. Cash was the only uh, only working currency. Uh, so I uh, I exchange. I didn't withdraw any cash, but I exchanged Bitcoin for cash when I could, and then I uh, so I had uh, I had a few dollars via the Chivo wallet, Chivo no. ATMs, or just uh, OTC <coughs> markets. OTC. Okay. You know. I met people and I asked if I could uh, get some, if they had some dollars uh, and were willing to exchange it for Bitcoin. Mm. So that worked. Yeah. And did you orange pill a few El Salvadorians when you were there? I guess you don't speak Spanish. Uh, so maybe it's hard. I don't speak Spanish, so that was uh, quite hard. But uh, I, I, you know, I talked to a lot of people with uh, about Bitcoin. And I always, I, I always asked them, asked them if I could pay with Bitcoin. So that's kind of orange billing because I, I tell them that uh, I Bitcoin exists and I want to pay with Bitcoin if that is possible. Did you help them install the Chivo wallet or no no uh, I need to do that um, uh, and I don't I really I don't like the Chivo wallet it's so it's very closed so mm. and I, I think that's kind of one thing they handled quite poorly uh, about the transition that's the Chivo wallet because it just isn't good you know you just to get lightning working on it is quite hard um and that's uh you know if you want to pay small amounts with bitcoin that's uh, lightning is uh is kind of the only sensible way to do it yeah it was quite surprising actually we did yeah. uh, the 24-hour non-stop twitter space yeah. when we did the first thing with global bitcoin fest when yeah. global bitcoin fest became when it was born yeah. we did this on the 7th of september yeah. um when el salvador launched yeah. uh, or uh, when bitcoin became legal tender in el salvador and we started at midnight yeah. uh, in the beginning of the 7th of september and then 
throughout the day, we uh, try to have updates on the Chivo wallet yeah. and uh, see who, who, who downloaded it first, how did it work. And one thing that we noticed with the first version was it was really hard to find where do you, where do, you do the Lightning transaction. It didn't yeah. even seem at first yeah. that there was a Lightning option. Then finally we found it. It was yeah. a bit hidden. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the updates that I've heard uh, is that um, it's it's gotten better, but they had uh, quite some bugs, yeah. and you um, you only get a first opportunity to build trust with the technology. And then yeah. if it doesn't work, then if it's a first timer, maybe they're not that used to tech. Yeah. Uh, then maybe they just go away and it yeah. takes a bit more effort to convince them next time. Yeah. So I understand that, uh, that feeling. Um, I think the way that I've thought about what happened in El Salvador is first was the ex excitement, uh, yeah. the launch and everybody thought now it's going to happen. Yeah. Then came the reality yeah. and awakening to the hard work required yeah. to roll out uh, yeah. technology, especially across a, whole country yeah. and now it seems like people are coming there and really working on it and it's really starting to gain momentum yeah uh, are you are you thinking of going back and doing something there or you will now accelerate your efforts in norway uh, i will try to accelerate in norway um i have spent a ridiculous amount of money on uh, development and stuff just to try to get some uh, new services up and uh, it has turned out to be very hard because of uh, but that's mainly because of my extreme focus on on um, uh, what do you call it privacy uh, and security of the system uh, because I've seen so many exchanges through my time losing all of the bitcoins um, and I don't want that to happen and uh, I have also I also have a principle I don't want to keep any bitcoins on behalf of my customers you don't get a wallet here you have to have your own wallet and I'll transfer the bitcoins to your wallet as soon as the money arrives mm. yeah um, and that's uh, that's another principle which is quite important to me. And uh, I don't I don't run a casino, <clears throat> so um, you know the, the many the exchanges of today are mainly what I call Bitcoin casinos, or or I mean not Bitcoin casinos, crypto casinos. You know where people exchange bitcoins and all kind of uh, of uh, shitcoins, and they have their wallet in the exchange, and they transfer money to the exchange, and they hold all this for you, and then you hope they're honest and uh, don't run away with anything, or they don't get hacked or anything. Uh, and I, I'm that's uh, I, I don't want to uh, to be a casino. So uh, my exchange is where you can buy and you can come here and buy bitcoins. <laughs> Um, and get the bitcoins as soon as I have the money. You will, you will have the bitcoins. Uh, and the other way, if you uh, want to sell me bitcoins as soon, soon as I have the bitcoins, you will get money on your account. Uh, so just a quick exchange back and forth, and I don't keep your money. I don't. I don't keep your bitcoins. You have to to hold them yourself in your own wallet. 
that is a, a different approach. And uh, do you uh, do you have enough liquidity, or do you need to collaborate with others to to to, to have the liquidity? Or um, for now, I had the liquidity. I'm more struggling with um, uh, you know the skew. Uh, in the beginning, I had only buyers, you know, people who wanted to buy Bitcoins. Mm. Uh, and no, now I have mainly sellers because I have so many old customers <laughs> who have <laughs> bags full of Bitcoins. And uh, and some people, they, they live off the Bitcoins they bought from me. They don't work, uh, they travel the world and, and see, yeah. And, uh, and other people, they have they have a Bitcoin. They have their bitcoins, and when they want to buy a house, they just sell some of the bit, their bitcoins and buy a house, and, and don't take a bank loan or anything. So I need uh, quite a lot of money on my account to keep buying those, paying for those houses and cars people buy with the old bitcoins they bought from me for more than ten years ago. So, um, so that's. Uh, <laughs> I think I have a luxury problem in in that regards because I think you know, most mm. other people they struggle with getting yeah uh, they, they they have their skew is in the other direction. Yeah, yeah no, I noticed your security orientation for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, getting in contact with you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, I I asked your. Uh, security officer, uh, <laughs> as uh, as he was titled, uh, to uh, to reach out to you, yeah. and uh, I really uh, like that uh, approach. Yes, oh. I, I myself, I'm I'm very conscious about security, and uh, I, I totally respect the uh, the cautiousness. Um, do you do you find that this is um, for your business, yeah. uh, I guess that it. How how much slower would you say it takes to to do this really thorough approach? Uh, you've been doing this properly since 2019, correct? Yeah. Yes. So you built all the base. Yeah. Um, how fast were you able to launch and be operational? Bef uh, with once you had prepared all the security for the exchange. I've not really launched yet. There we go. <laughs> but, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, in 2019, yeah. I yeah. was so exhausted from all the bank stuff that it, yeah. it took a while to, uh, and uh, and also I, uh, I had so much to do with the daily trading. Yeah. You know, the daily exchange people were coming to buy and sell, so I didn't have the capacity myself to start develop developing what I needed to uh, to develop. So. Uh, um in the end it was uh yeah, last year in 2020 uh 2020 i had hired the first uh, chief uh, developer who was going to take uh, care of uh, development and uh then two more people in the beginning of 2021 to do the development uh, and those were fresh out of college mm. Um, uh, and uh, but they work very well, um, and uh, I also have some seniors helping uh, in the in the background. Um, so, um, but um, 
Yeah, it has taken a lot of time. Mm. Uh, and also, I have been quite absent, unfortunately. Uh, you know, in the beginning, it was due to the daily trade. Uh, and then, for some reason, my energies just started mm. to disappear. Uh, and I had no idea why. And it went very slowly down uh, until I went to the doctor uh when I got back from um, El Salvador uh, and discovered that I had cancer. Uh, and I, it had uh, probably developed uh, for at least two years. Mm. So I was, uh, but uh, I uh, discovered in time, so uh, I'm, I'm getting, uh, I'm going to be 100% uh, well again. But uh, that's also uh, an explanation why I, just didn't have the energy to follow up and, and participate more in the, the development. So that's why uh, we are very delayed. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we have several projects now in parallel. And I hope we can start launching quite fast when we begin to launch. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, do you think it's soon? Uh, the launch is it Im impending? Is it this year, next year? No, oh, oh, it must be this year. Yeah. Uh, I can't go on uh, much longer yeah. the way I do now. Yeah. So, uh, and you, it's it's fully self finance. You're financing yeah, this. I've been financing everything. Yeah. yeah. So it strikes me like you as a person. Yeah. You are low time preference. You like to do things correctly. Yeah. And uh, you don't mind if it takes a bit more time as long as you do it in a way that you believe in yeah. right yeah um and what's I'm, i think that this maybe relates to the future of how companies will be built i come from tech yeah before yeah i raised nine rounds from over 50 investors yeah and I had so many voices, uh, you know, saying that they know how it should be done. And yeah. I ended up having two years of internal shareholder fighting uh, for power people because people got quite greedy once it started yeah. being valuable. Yeah. And um, I really woke up to how strong greed is. Yeah to humans yeah. uh, as soon as humans get close to something very valuable and yeah. they feel that maybe they can take a piece they try yeah. and um, it's a huge distraction from developing something yeah. that is really useful to other people yeah. when you have constantly people trying to take energy from the business by trying to get something for them yeah and i thought that the solution to this problem, I thought, will be now after I got kicked out of my company, 2017. Yeah. Now I'm going to go and help founders not get kicked out of their company. Yeah. I'm going to try to help founders retain control yeah. so that they can realize their vision. So I did, I did these activist deals. I went in and I, in crazy situations, and quite often uh, in fairly successful. Yeah. Um, but one thing that I realized was that as soon as I, if I was helping the founders not get kicked out by their investors, mm. I found that uh, 
the founders often turned on their investors and screwed over their investors or they screwed over me because they were mad yeah. at me because I hadn't been so nice while, while I was saving their company. Yes. Yeah. Um, even though they got everything uh, that they wished for, you know, yeah. I had bruised their ego or something like that. Yeah. And I realized in the process that it's all a greed game. Yeah. <laughs> Almost everybody are in it for the money yeah. and not not to build stuff. Yeah. They don't mind just selling their thing as soon as they can get some money instead. Yeah. Um, so I, I just felt this this is all a fiat game. Yeah. This is before I was a true Bitcoiner. And yeah. I, I felt, why would I go in here and try to change the incentives here yeah. when everybody, it's a party of greed and they can have this for themselves. I want to do something meaningful. Yeah. Since then, I, I, I thought that really the way to build companies in a better way is not to raise a lot of money and raise to you know raise more money and then sell it yeah. it's take it slow yeah build something real something that you really believe in and yeah. build step by step and i i think once we're done with this financial party that's going on where they're just printing money investing in startups and you know it's all crazy this, the companies that will still be standing once the so many will go bankrupt is the companies that have been doing it step by step. Mm -hmm. And I really hope from the bottom of my heart that a lot of uh, Bitcoin companies will follow that path mm -hmm. so that we can have a solid and resilient Bitcoin startup ecosystem instead of this casino yeah. kind of yeah. with vc funded startups and just redo it all on top of bitcoin yeah. just doesn't make sense to me it makes sense to do it your way i really like that um and maybe that's also why i'm a bit slow starting my own thing in yeah. bitcoin because yeah. i want to do it the right way yeah. so that was a little bit long rant about what i think we should talk about what you think but yeah. <laughs> it just made me think about that your approach also i i find it interesting um i've spent the past two years in vietnam and yeah. there's an exchange there bitcoin vietnam yeah. they started 2014 okay they've been doing otc they've yeah. been very busy servicing uh, uh people with uh, personal peer-to-peer -peer trades yeah. um and they hadn't haven't had actually the time to to, to work that much with the the solution but they're really yeah. accelerating now um Anyways, I think this is this is definitely important for Bitcoin. Um, these small, solid exchanges yeah. that are not that are founder-led. So yeah. I hope you keep it that way. Yeah. What do you think about Bitcoin in Norway and uh, the future? Do you think Norway will keep being Bitcoin friendly now when you have done these battles, or do you think? that there's more looming on the horizon because it seems like the eu hates bitcoin and uh, it really seems like they're preparing for a major uh, attack yeah? yeah proof of work they don't seem to like it at all mm -hmm. the esg ad agenda and the lies about bitcoin being bad for uh, the environment yeah. they seem to embrace it wholeheartedly yeah uh, so i wonder 
Uh, how will Norway approach this? Uh, Norway is not in the EU, but Norway is part of the some sort of collaboration with the EU. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? in the EEC, which means that we will uh, adopt uh, most, uh, not all, but almost all of uh, EU uh, regulations. Uh, and uh, I think that uh, in... Um, you know, I've been saved by the EU twice. Uh, first, in the beginning, that uh, Norwegian tax authorities decided that there was a VAT on bitcoins. That was in 2013. Uh, because uh, bitcoins was a, a kind of a goods or services which uh, was, uh, wasn't exempt from, uh, from VAT. And then um, the European Court of Justice uh, decided that no, um, Bitcoin is a financial service which is exempt from VAT in, uh, in Europe. Uh, and the Norwegian tax authorities had to uh, concede and adopt that same policy here. So that was the first time I was saved by the EU. And the second time was the... Um, the fourth AML, or third, I don't know, um, some uh, AML uh, directive, uh, which uh, resulted in a new AML law in Norway, uh, where, um, um, you know, um, one of the paragraphs were changed. So it, and, and also in the, in the, yeah, the the directive says that uh, it it will be harder to to deny people a bank account. Yeah, people are entitled to have a bank account. No, the directive says that, which we could use in our court case. Uh, uh, that went that came after the first uh, court case before the second step. So. Um, we will, uh, were quite fortunate, fortunate there. So, um, uh, so I've been saved by the EU twice uh, because the environment in Norway has been at least as hostile as in the EU. And I really don't understand that because, uh, for example, I've talked to several uh, owners of power plants in Norway, you know, small power plants. Uh, in Norway, we have, we have a lot of hydropower and many of those hydropower uh, plants are quite small, you know, belongs to farms and, or a, a group of farms which have, have come together and made a, a power plant in a river they have uh, running through their area. And uh, uh, in, at least in northern and uh, mid-Norway, that's uh, not very profitable because those smaller power plants need um, a price of like 30 to 40 euro, uh, you know, 30 to 40 euros per megawatt uh, to be, um, to be megawatt hour, I mean, to be profitable. And uh, due to uh, limitations of uh, you know, the power network, the power grid, the price of electric power is, is much lower in, in, in North and uh, Mid-Norway than, uh, than uh, where they are going to make a profit. So they are not profitable. So many of them are just selling their 
small power plants to to international uh, pension funds and uh, and other buyers who who are in this who have, uh, can afford to go to run it at uh, a loss for a while uh, with the prospect of uh, of power price to rise in the future and they'll make money from it in the future. Um, so uh, I've been talking to some about the mining bitcoins uh, with the power directly from the plant. It's quite, it's not as easy as you think uh, due to regulation, again, uh, taxes, um, because if the power plant is larger than um, um, 80 kilowatts or something, maximum uh, output, and uh, most of them are, you have to pay full uh, taxes on the power you produce, even if you spend it yourself. Um, many are interested anyway in just uh, putting a, up a, a Bitcoin factory at the, you know a couple of containers with uh, Bitcoin mining equipment uh, next to a power plant and, uh, and make money and have a guaranteed income from the money. Uh, the the power they make, uh, they produce a minimum, kind of a minimum payment per kilowatt hour. So when the the price is uh, too low, they will just mine bitcoins. And if the price is so high that it uh, it doesn't uh, uh, it isn't profitable profitable to mine, they will sell their uh, uh, power to the grid instead. Just switch off the equipment and, and sell the power to the grid when uh, when the price is high. Uh, this is I think this is a very good way to um, to solve the current power crisis because a lot of like it's now the price is so low that many or the and the insecurity is so high that many power plants aren't being built at all. They they get a, a permit to build but they decide that no we. It isn't profitable. We can't. We can't guarantee the. We can't get the, the a guarantee of the, the income we need to uh, to make this profitable, so we can pay our loans. Um, so uh, then they uh, they are looking at this to uh, to have a guaranteed minimum power price, and this I think this is a very good way to to make sure that renewable power is built. Um, new re renewable power uh, projects, and also a problem they have is that, um, especially those small uh, run of the river the power plants, they produce a lot when it rains. When it uh, rains a lot, they will start producing after a few hours, and then they'll uh, keep producing as long as it rains and uh, for a few days after. Uh, at the same time, all the our uh, other similar power plants in the same area will do the same. So when they're producing, the price will get lower. So And when they don't produce, when the price is high, they don't produce anything at all because the price is high because it hasn't been raining for uh, quite a long time. Um, Interesting yeah. problem, actually. Yeah. So it's, there's, there's not only intermittent consumption, but in the water, uh, in hydropower, you have yeah. intermittent production, which is also local. Yeah. Because yeah. in Norway, there's I've noticed a lot of small streams coming yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And uh, actually, my friend whom I'm visiting here in Norway, yeah. he has exactly the story that that yeah. you're telling. They yeah. just next to him, they they built this 
local the farmers built yeah. their own hydropower plant. Yeah. They couldn't make it profitable. Yeah. And they had to sell to a PE firm, yeah. a private equity firm, yeah. that just because they could get a lower interest rate, yeah. suddenly it became profitable yeah. for them yeah. than the local farmers. Yeah. And uh, it's it's such a shame. It, it would be probably enormously beneficial to Norway yeah. if you had a lot of small uh, decentralized producers. Yeah. So, so you think that this is um, a potential opportunity uh, yes. to expand hydropower in Norway? Yeah. Are, are there many also bigger boys, so to speak, that are interested in, in helping this development, like Aker, the founder there, or maybe not him, but others? Yeah. Or yeah, I tend to talk to the the smaller smaller guys because yeah. um, you know those uh, those um, the owners of the rivers are the local farms, mm. so they are the ones who can build a power plant there, and they won't do it if uh, if it isn't pros- profitable for for them. So the the big guys they can build uh, larger power plants, um, but the, usually, you uh, know, there there my is. My question wasn't actually if. If they would do it, the big guys would do it. Yeah. I was just thinking that if you are, if you have a big business yeah. and you have this, say, position in society, yeah. uh, you may actually be able to assist, maybe yeah. as a financier yeah. mm. uh, or as a co-owner yeah. uh, and a guarantor to the banks yeah. and things like that. That was yeah. more my question. Like yeah, okay. That. Yeah. yeah. No, I haven't. Uh, I haven't done that. Uh, I've just talked to the the power plant owners, some of them, and uh, I've decided that uh, this is something I could uh, I can help them with uh, when I get. But first of all, I need to get uh, this uh, new exchange uh, developed and uh, and up and running, and then also so when my exchange services are automated, then mm-hmm. I can uh, start. Uh, concentrating on other things again. I this is one of the my the ideas Passion I'm going projects, to, yeah? to pursue. Yeah. So there's quite a few Norwegians listening right now. Yeah. I, I can see some of the people that were a part of the Norwegian space, yeah. uh, and I'm sure they may actually listen afterwards as well. Yeah. Um, if anyone is interested in uh, joining in and helping out with this idea, are they yeah. welcome? Uh, I, I already have uh, one who is interested, but I, I think that uh, what I really need is, uh, I mean, this is an open idea. Anyone can do it. So so if you want to go on your own and do it, that's perfect. Please do. Uh, I mean, that's it's good for Bitcoin. It's good for the community. It's good for everyone. So, so I'm not taking ownership of this idea. But if no one else are going to do it, I will do it, but at uh, when when I can. I mean, when I have the the, the surplus energy to do it, mm. you know, when I'm uh, yeah, uh, I have the time and uh, the energy and the money and everything I need to do. But would you would you like to collaborate with others, or would you like to mentor uh, some? Yeah burgeoning yeah. Bitcoin entrepreneurs that would like to engage in this? Yeah, I can do that. I think what is mainly needed is uh, someone, uh, you know, with um, someone who can fix the practical stuff. I mean, just build a container with uh, Bitcoin miners 
like say uh, adapted to the size of a power plant and a uh, 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 control system which uh, just um, mainly the um, uh, uh, clock frequency of the miners to adjust the power consumption mm. to match the production and also all the electrical stuff transformers and and stuff which i, I could see a unicorn you know? uh, company being yeah. born out of this idea because yeah. the amount of hydropower in norway yeah. is just incredible yeah um this uh, also this and, speaks uh, a little bit to the sorry yeah. uh, you can you can see the there is a public registry of all the uh power plants who have gone uh, received a permit permit to to build um and a lot of them just aren't being built because oh. no, because uh, the price has been too low. It's, it would be profitable. Uh, so I mean, just talk to some people and uh, get them into the idea, and then uh, perhaps, yeah. This really speaks also for maybe why Norway will not go the uh, Bitcoin hater route yeah. of the EU, yeah. because if Norwegian Norway can benefit so much yeah. and if it can be shown yeah. in fairly recent time yeah. uh, fairly soon yeah. they will really not have a good reason to attack or ban Bitcoin yeah. rather yeah. the opposite because energy is the core of a modern society without yeah. energy you can't run a modern society and energy safety yeah. is core and Norway could actually be already has been I understand an exporter of energy but could yeah. be an even bigger exporter of yeah. energy yeah. Uh, not only oil which of course Norway is, mm. has already been but uh, but uh, hydropower yeah yeah but right now yeah. a lot of hydropower is just closed uh, in what you call it stranded due to limitations of the power grid mm. Uh, which is, means that you know the the price of uh, power can be ten times higher in the south than in the north, and uh, quite recently, it because uh, last year it rained very little in the south of Norway and more or less normal in the nor north than uh, mid uh, mid of the country, and the power grid isn't just it just does don't have the capacity to move all the excess power from the north to the south. Mm. Um, so also, it wouldn't actually and, be about distributing yeah. energy in that mu uh, that much. It would more be stabilizing the price and yeah. the yeah. enabling more local production. Yeah. 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 Okay. And um, and of course the the south is more connected to the continent as well, so they more or less import European power prices because uh, um, yeah they are. Uh, Quite well interconnected, so they will sell, mm. um, you know, the the Norwegian TSO, Startnet will mm. sell uh, Norwegian power to uh, other countries when the the price is lower here. Then uh, so they can buy the price. The, the 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 this is quite uh, technical, but if they can buy the 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 power in the south southern Norway where the cables are for a lower price, then they can sell for in the for example, Germany or Britain, they'll do that. And uh, and the other way, so when there is a lot of wind in the southern northern sea, they will get a lot of cheap uh, uh, wind from wind power from uh, Germany and Denmark and uh, and Great Britain, and 
buy that there and sell it into the Norwegian grid. So you get an exchange both ways. But mm. uh, that means that the the southern Norway is more connected to the European power price, you know, because we import their price. So for the listeners, just to understand a little bit about Norway, Norway yeah. is a country of a lot of mountains yeah. and fjords, which is basically... Uh, deep deep inlets of water from the ocean yeah. with high uh, mountains on the sides uh, typically and um, it's not that easy to build out infrastructure in Norway it's very expensive i have to remember that uh, norway is a very long country so if you if you put a pin in uh, in oslo and you you know tip the country country down uh, the northernmost part of norway will reach down to rome so it's uh, it's as long as the uh, the entire Europe. Oh wow! Okay, uh, yeah. So Europe. so also you have a power loss yeah. if you transport energy a, a long distance. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, what's the power loss per? Uh, that's uh, in, you know in the the high voltage grid it isn't very much. Uh, okay. The power loss is much. It's mostly in the in the distribution grid where there's low voltage and uh, long lines uh, okay. with long with low voltage. But if you so, transport your electricity from northern Norway to southern Norway, yeah. how much do you lose? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, are there any other? Um, uh, risks on the horizon for Bitcoin in Norway or opportunities? Uh, no, Norway has um, a quite stable economy or stable, stable. Yes, we have, this is quite stable because, uh, you know, the oil revenue varies a lot, but they, they try to keep that stable, but by, uh, by not spending the, the oil incomes uh, immediately in the economy, but they store them away in the in a pension fund. The sovereign wealth fund yes. of Norway, yes, which is a huge, huge sovereign Enormous. wealth fund of, I think, one trillion dollars owns. Every, when you look into like the the shareholder registry of major stocks yeah. in you know in Asia and everywhere in the world yeah. you see the Norwegian sovereign wealth fund owns yeah. always 1 or 2% of the yeah. company yeah it's uh, enormous uh, so we uh, we are quite stable economy we have a convertible uh, or own convertible currency um, and uh, so i i don't see that uh, bitcoin is a necessity right now to mm. to you know to to uh, fend off uh, inflation or anything. I mean, Norway is quite well off in that regard. Uh, but uh, we need an, I think we still need an, an alternative to, to make sure that uh, it stays that way. You know, the, the, uh, you have a competition. Mm. Um, so, uh, and um, yeah, um, so I think uh, Bitcoin is important in in that regard and because it is it enables uh, us to uh, to trade much more easily with uh, or transfer money anywhere uh, instantly uh, without any censorship or anything you can uh, a lot of other countries you want to trade with um, may have uh, currency restrictions which uh, make it quite make it interesting to to use Bitcoin instead, um, because it's much more efficient. So, 
you see it as a way to put Norway more in the foreground uh, going forward in the future. Yes, I, yeah. I, I really I get the sense that the Norwegian Bitcoin community is very strong. Yeah. Uh, I think in, in part thanks to you, or maybe much in th- thanks to you, if I um, if I interpret them I, correctly. I think I sold uh, many of them their first Bitcoins at mm. least. And um, I have, I'm thinking that maybe we could invite a couple of uh, people up if they want to ask any questions. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, that's yeah? okay. Yeah. Let's see here. Hello, Torkel. Hi there. Hi. Hi. <laughs> so, so, so first of all, I just want to say a big thank you to Stuart. I think, at least for me personally, and I think also for just so, so many people in the Norwegian Bitcoin community, he has been extremely important to to very many people he's um just the fact that he got me into bitcoin a few years ago has changed my life completely and i think it's also changed a lot of other lives and i also want to just thanks to as well for really um paving the way you know when fighting with the banks trying to not even asking a lot you know just asking for a basic bank account it's it's ridiculous that it that it that uh had to go to those lengths um, but it's been a big boon to other companies in the sector. I've I've worked in Norwegian crypto companies, and I've also started a, started a Bitcoin company now, and it's still difficult to get a bank account, but it would have been even harder if Sturla hadn't done his work. And then the question I want to ask, so if you go back a few years, Sturla, you know, back a few years when you were still fighting with the banks, and, and you knew that it would be this hard <laughs> to get these basic demands satisfied, would you still take the fight that you took? Would you still go that road, or or would you do something else with your time? Um, I, uh, you know, that's a very hard question because um, uh, I would have, if I knew how hard it would be, I would have be done things differently when trying to get a Bitcoin account, uh, a bank account. I think. Um, so I may have, um, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have, uh, have used a local lawyer first, for example. Uh, but I think, I, I think I would, uh, I would have, uh, I would have taken the fight as long as I knew that I would win in the end. Uh, but, uh, yeah, because, uh, I, it's, it's just not right um what the the banks were doing uh and they they were they were doing the same to me that they were doing to uh to to um um to wikileaks i think uh they were they they were denying me an, a bank account on in in on an uh, illegal basis um and that's uh, that's not okay. So I think I uh, I would have done the same because I, I knew that as long as I'm right, I'm going to win in the end. Um, but uh, of course, I I wouldn't have known how much work it had uh, had been, and I would probably have done things differently from the beginning if I had uh, known how much work it would be. So just to do a quick follow up on that, so. <laughs> I- I think it's nice to note here that you know the banks are still doing this. The banks are still uh, being 
being completely ridiculous and they're still denying yeah. people bank accounts on on illegal basis like i've yeah. uh, as i mentioned i've been trying to get i i i succeeded in the end i i did get the bank account for my business but i we spoke to all the big banks we spoke to very very many of the of the smaller banks and they all gave us bullshit answers right and they all said like based on a based on a uh, 360 degree total picture evaluation of your business we we can't move forward at this time and yeah. they and they never say anything about bitcoin because they know if they say because of bitcoin we won't give an account that's yeah. illegal because the financial yeah. authorities have come out and said you can't deny a whole industry uh banking services and the banks know this so the banks invent bullshit excuses and the banks lie and it's completely yeah. disgusting in my opinion uh, and it's it's uh, it's infuriating. It's been it's been a big drain on my mental uh, mental health over the last few months. To be uh, to be completely honest, well, I know exactly what you mean. It's uh, it it has been for me as well, and especially when I had a lot of uh, I have had fifteen banks close my uh, my bank account. Fifteen, I think. So it's uh, and my personal accounts because I I had to use personal accounts uh, until I got. Um, uh, company account so it's uh, it has been a, a tough time Torkel do you have any more questions for Sturle I could, I could continue ranting about banks forever but I don't have any more questions at the, at the current time okay um, I have a, a question to you Sturle about um, the block size wars yeah because you're an OG <laughs> And uh, you had already quite a lot of insight once uh, it escalated to the level it did in 2017. Um, What was your position? Um, Did you do anything or uh, uh, did you uh, lean back? Uh, My position was in the, the, I I mean, the the camp that won. Um, I didn't. Uh, because I, I saw the, um, the attempt to uh, write, to increase the block size as uh, uh, a way for someone to try to get control over Bitcoin. Uh, and I didn't want that to happen. Um, that's uh, for, the same ty- for, for the same reason that I don't like, uh, for example, Ethereum, because they, so, some people there are in control uh, and they make their hard forks and they can change everything. Uh, and I didn't want that to happen to Bitcoin, so I uh, I was uh, in the the Segwit uh, small block uh, camp, uh, which uh, had uh, which saw the f- a future in, uh, for example, uh, Lightning instead uh, as a way to scale Lightning and side chains and uh, and stuff. So um, and I I also joined uh, this. Um, Oh, what uh, what was this? This soft fork, this community soft fork. Uh, oh, what's the name of it? Remind me. User activated soft fork. User activated soft fork. Yes, uh, I was in that camp. Camp. Uh, and um, did you uh, did you participate actively in any way? Did you uh, try to um, influence or? Um, Mainly just by not upgrading I, your node. I uh, I participated in some uh, some discussions, um, mainly on IRC with people there and uh, and stuff, and tried to explain why 
my my position on this. Mm. Um, uh, and uh, I think I made some announcements that uh, I w- which camp I was in. So uh, just to make sure that the people didn't uh, buy bit from coins from me, and so I think they would get some uh, uh, some uh, fork coin, some uh, what uh, Segway two X coin or whatever. Um, Mm. Uh, so I, I made my position clear mm. and I participated in some discussions, but not, uh, I didn't have the time to just sit there and discuss. Were you that. worried that it would actually uh, break Bitcoin? Uh, I was quite worried for a while, but um, but uh, I hoped it wouldn't happen. Mm. Uh, and I, I really wondered what what, what would I do if, uh, if those people succeed in taking control of Bitcoin. And that was my main concern. But... Uh, uh, I think, uh, yeah, fortunately they didn't. So mm. uh. Uh, There's a recent uh, small drama, much smaller drama, yeah. but uh, uh, it stirred some attention on uh, Twitter yeah. uh, with the BIP 1019 uh, proposed upgrade. Yeah. Uh, have, has that worried you anything? or I haven't spent much uh, time on that now. Yeah. Um, so Alexandria, you were away for a little bit, but we're doing Q and A. If you want to jump up and ask Stula a question, Alexandria likes to ask a couple of questions. Uh, he's pretty active, so you're welcome. Um, I have a, another question for you. Meanwhile, what is the most inspiring uh, encounter in Bitcoin that you had with another person or? anything that you can think of no that's very hard to uh to 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 just pick one i think pick any i mean yeah any Uh, i mean i've had some uh some customers who bought bitcoins a long time ago and uh who uh who have lived from those bitcoins since and went around the world and made done fantastic things and uh when i think about it now i can't even i i can't know i can't talk about it because i when i start talking about this i may reveal some information which people can use to understand if they know these people they will know that those are my customers and i uh, by principle i don't talk about my customers so no i i really uh, so I have to exclude my customers, <laughs> and that's some of the most inspiring stuff. Yes. yes. Okay. So let's uh, let's not talk about those stories, but there are many. Yeah. Happy to hear. Alexandria, do you wish to ask a question to Sturle before we wrap up? Yes, I do. Um, I want to talk. What is the history in, um, with Vikings and Norway? Like, um. I've been very curious about Vikings because I'm watching Vikings and I know this, they talk about Norway a lot. So what is the history um, in that country, may I ask? Yeah, um, the Vikings lived in this area. Um, I think uh, there are some discussions of uh, how long it, the, the, or when it started or when it ended. It's, I think I started about uh, 700 BC, no, uh, AD. Uh, when uh, with the act, attack on Lindus Farm, uh, I think that's the official. Uh, but uh, they 
you know, the Vikings, they were... That's UK or England, yeah. 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 Uh, there were um, people living uh, in all over the Scandinavia, really, uh, which uh, traveled far um, and uh, did trade, mostly, uh, with other countries and uh, or other, other peoples living around the, the North Sea and even in the East, uh, they went as far as Istanbul, I think, uh, by the rivers. And the U.S., America. Yes, and uh, they explored the, the seas in the West. So they went to, uh, to the Faroe Islands and the Shetland. Shetland used to be a Norwegian, but um, uh, a Norwegian king uh, rented it to uh, the English king. Um, and he never uh, bought it back or something. He never paid the loan, so it's now uh, uh, part of Britain. And uh, Iceland and Greenland and even uh, Newfoundland uh, and perhaps even further south. So they they traveled, they explored, and they uh, they always seek uh, new business opportunities. Um, they sold uh, goods from uh, from uh, the Norwegian coast you know they made uh, dry fish and stuff and sold on the markets for the south and they got goods from there and uh, brought home so it's mainly a, a peaceful uh, trading uh, people but they also after a while they gained a lot of military powers and they did raids and they tried to uh, to uh, invade Britain and stuff and the Vikings were mainly around uh, Norway and Sweden. And I yeah. guess the Norwegian Vikings were the ones that went west. Yeah. And the Swedish Vikings went south and east. Yeah. And um, actually, this area, um, I just yesterday um, visited my friend's wife's brother yeah. who connected us. Yeah. And uh, he had a Viking ship standing on his uh, uh, backyard. Oh. <laughs> uh, and apparently it's a local shipbuilder that has been uh, educated. Uh, mm. One of the last Viking shipbuilders alive. Mm. And he has been taught uh, through tradition all the way back from the Vikings. Mm. Uh, so it's a real Viking ship standing on his backyard. I may take a picture and... Uh, Posted on Twitter afterwards, yeah. uh, together with your question here, Alexandria, and um, it's. Um, I hope maybe uh, at some point to invite my father. He is a professor in Viking Age archaeology, and mm. uh, that wrote a book about. Uh, it's called Viking Rus. How actually the Vikings uh, founded uh, uh, or were part of founding Russia. Rus yeah. meant Vikings, and Russia. Yeah. Kind of like land of Vikings, but of course the book is forbidden in Russia. <laughs> yeah, and he he avoids going there because uh, he he doesn't know what would happen to him. Yeah, but um, yeah, you don't strike me as a uh, um, uh, one of the big Vikings. No. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I don't think maybe uh, uh, you would have been suited for chopping uh, uh, chopping people in, well, chopping in on people, the. Perhaps trading. Yeah, trading. Yeah. And also, you're extremely stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, living in these uh, environments, 
yeah. uh, probably uh, uh, that's a good trait yeah. when you want to farm and, and do stuff around here. No? Yeah. You know, Viking, the, the name Viking, uh, it comes, comes from Vik, which is uh, basically a small fjord. Um, so uh, that, that's the name probably originated from where they were living around the Norwegian coast mm. inside the fjords and uh, yeah um, so Stule I don't want to exhaust you uh, too much uh, this has been a great conversation um, do you have any uh, question for me or anything that we um, we haven't brought up that you would like to bring up Oh, that's a qu- uh, hard question. Uh, I mean, in uh, all those years I've been active, uh, a lot of things have happened. So uh, there is probably a lot of more to talk about. But uh, yeah, I don't uh, particularly recall anything right now. So yeah, perhaps just round off. And... It's been a great pleasure to meet you, yeah. Stule. Yeah, same. And uh, I wish you um, best of luck with your uh, Bitmint business. Thanks. And uh, everybody uh, should also follow Sturle. Sturle, Bitmint, is that your Twitter account? Uh, yes, I'm not, Bitmint? I'm not active on Twitter at all. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I, uh, I mention something there. Uh, I usually stick to Norwegian matters. Mm. Um, I think the last thing, time I commented was about something the EU suggested about they wanted uh, verification when you withdraw from an exchange that you withdraw to either your own address or to or documentation where you are withdrawing those bitcoins, which I thought is a completely silly idea because. Uh, it will actually make it harder to do uh, AML for uh, exchanges because people, if they do anything suspicious, they will just withdraw to the private Bitcoin address and uh, document that. And then uh, if they do anything we should be concerned about, they it, it will be harder for us to see it. Mm. So, uh, but uh, I, yeah. Um, I can talk about a lot about regulation, but uh, uh, that would be that would take up uh, completely a new uh, a new program. I think mm. that would take another hour um, <laughs> easily. Is it Norwegian regulation or uh, that's a, a EU EU uh, regulation, which uh, will probably come soon? Okay, yeah. uh, the regulation that was just passed. Yeah. Yes. Should we uh, spend a little bit of time on it, uh, just to get the contours of what you would like to say, or is is that too much? I think it's too much because uh, if I if I'm going to say something about it, I think I should be more prepared than mm. uh, than I am. I have to read through and uh, recall everything in it. That would be really interesting. Maybe yeah. we can do a follow up. Yeah, uh, I would definitely want to want to hear your yeah. thoughts on this. Because the uh, regulation it's uh, uh, tend to be made by people who don't understand too much about the Bitcoin or this business, uh, which is quite uh, which makes it quite difficult because uh, they regulate the wrong things. Mm. Um, they don't know where to focus, and when they 
try to solve a problem, they sometimes make things worse. Well, I can attest to this because my previous company was a company to sign documents electronically. Yeah. And the EU passed the electronic signature, electronic signing, electronic signature directive. Yeah. And um, the directive is actually about uh, uh, digital signatures or uh, a technology to that can be used to authenticate really a data stream or like encrypted data stream, but yeah. uh, then tying that to a personal identity, which has, then has been used for the EIDs in Norway and Sweden yeah. and so on. But because of the name of the law, yeah. Uh, or the directive, yeah. um, the lawyers that I had conversations with in 99 plus percent of cases hmm. were super confused. And they thought <laughs> that to make a legal contract electronically, you had to use this authentication technology yeah. uh, or identification technology. And only then you could sign electronically. And not being a lawyer, me sitting and explaining to senior corporate lawyers how law actually works yeah. how contract law actually works yeah. um, it wasn't very popular often and sometimes i even planned had to plan together with the customer how how to beat their own lawyers yeah <laughs> uh, so so i remember specifically actually dmb the norske bank yeah. which was a customer of ours yeah. in sweden we started and uh, there was a pretty smart guy there that he made we made videos with uh, lawyers uh from uh from court a yeah. judge we yeah. made a video with a professor and so on and yeah. they spoke about okay this is this is how it actually works yeah so so we he put on the videos before his lawyer uh, spoke in the meeting yeah <laughs> so then the lawyer had a, a bit difficult time to, to trash the proposal and that's how we managed to get them as customers but yeah. uh, i i lived through uh EU directive made hell for all seven years when yeah. I was in my company, Scribe.com. Yeah. And I wouldn't wish it on anyone no. to go through that. And uh, I really hope they don't create that mess in EU, but uh, seems like uh, it may happen. Yeah. Uh, so I would be very curious to talk about that. Sturle, um, just arounding... Uh, uh, Thing about Global Bitcoin Fest. Yeah. Global Bitcoin Fest is all about meeting plebs in countries all over the world, yeah. uh, getting to know the community, uh, getting to know the stories, uh, sharing stories, and connecting Bitcoiners around the world. And um, I think we've heard some really interesting stories here today. And uh, hopefully, uh, also, some connections happen. Maybe somebody that wants to start a hydropower uh, Bitcoin mining business, uh, expanding, helping to expand hydropower in Norway, uh, was inspired, huh? uh, or uh, or something else. Um, so, thank you very much, Sturle, for for taking the time, and uh, I hope to see you soon again. Interesting. I'll start following you on Twitter. So awesome! Right. I'll follow you too. Is it is it this at Bitmint? Yeah. Yes. 
and the real at Bitment is that That's the company a, or uh, yeah, and uh, you know Bitment was taken originally. Uh huh. So um, we uh, we made this real at Bit at real Bitment just to to have a Twitter handle in case. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Bitment just uh, was released. I mean, someone uh, the the one who had it uh, didn't use it, so it was uh, yeah. It became free, or I don't know what happened, but uh, suddenly it was free to use, so I grabbed it. Okay, yeah, perfect. <laughs> yes, I, and I will follow you yeah. right away. And everybody listening, follow at Bitmint yeah. and uh, Sturla Sunde, an amazing Bitcoiner that has done a lot for Bitcoin adoption in Norway. Thank you very much for for doing that. Thanks. Bye, everybody. Thank you very much. Oh, by the way, Sturla. How do you usually say goodbye in Norwegian? Hårdå. That's your normal phrase, yeah. or do you have others as well? Just hårdå. Hårdå. For sure. Okay. Hårdå bra, Sturle. Hårdå. Global Bitcoin Fest. Celebrating Bitcoin adoption with Bitcoin communities worldwide.